The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. We're soon going to be having our eighth year this next year. And years ago, when I was asked if I wanted to have my own radio talk show, what would I want to do? And I said, of course. We're going to discuss water. It's vital to you. It's vital that you get other people to listen to our show so they learn there is nothing more important in any day, any moment of the day than water. Water is our planet. Religions began so far back, and I can just see it now, that way back in time, when they were looking into the fresh water of a pool, and they said, something happened magic. And those things were magically happening because they didn't have all the technology to tell them what it was. They had to vision what is happening at the moment with whatever it may be, and especially, of course, with the weather, with the rumbling of the ground, volcanoes. But they looked around and they knew there was always water. There was water. And the reason there was water is they wouldn't be there alive as a living species of anything uh, if there wasn't water. Water is life. But they t- began to call it God. Water. And religions began so far back. I call it the mirror in the water. As you look in the water, can you imagine so far back? Thousands of years ago. And they're looking in the water and they're thinking there's somebody else there because they didn't own, they didn't even know what a mirror is. But they're mirroring a reflection in the water. And they begin, there must be faith. There must be something strong. There must be something powerful in the water. And they were right. The water is the power and the faith of all this planet. You can go into the countries of the world and they will say, yes, our faith is around water. And it has happened thousands of years ago. But what happened to us to be so smart? We started leaving it behind every day, forgetting that the faith of thousands of years was in the water for life, the miracle of all life the mirror and the water. Earth's power of water mission 
earth power of water, human, mirror in the water reflection, mission to save all children's lives. Because without water, there'd be no newborn baby. And this is where I come from. And I've dedicated over 30 years to study this. And as the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, we've learned. Billions of years ago, around the Earth was this water vapor. They call it now the blue ball. That water vapor had a moment of change when the sun came up around Earth, probably for the first time. All of a sudden, a droplet came out of that vapor and came down as rain. Water began to surface on the planet Earth. The miracle began. The miracle absorption into the Earth, the waters began to go down in the center of the Earth. We call them aquifers to store the water, but when it stores to the surface of the aquifer, the cave, let's say, it comes to the surface of the earth and has a puddle, a lake, a stream, and rivers. And the lowest point of all of this abundance of water goes to the ocean for the salt water. Now, you are water. You're living with water on earth in the atmosphere. But this is how serious this is. I'm serious. Your body water content is water. You're recycling what the earth provided you to recycle water. The very first living life began with water. You are water. Your brain, 80 to 85% water. Teeth, 8 to 10% water. Bones, 20 to 25% water. Your heart, needs moisture, 75 to 80% water. Your lungs, 75 to 80% water. That heart and those lungs need moisture. Your skin, 70 to 75% water. That skin on your body from internally and externally, the skin requires the atmosphere's water vapor. That's invisible water that you don't see every day. It's keeping you alive. And here's where I come from. The moment you were born and you entered in the air you're living in to breathe that atmospheric water, you left a pocket of water and you're no longer in a bubble of water any longer. You're living in the bubble of the atmosphere's water. That atmosphere is what's keeping you alive. Your life depends upon the water vapor in the atmosphere. Now, when that baby is born you begin to dehydrate because you're not living in the bubble of water any longer. You're living in the atmosphere's water. There are no two eyes alike. There are no two fingerprints alike. What is genome research is differences. What is DNA differences? And we could go on and on. You even have a little different look. Differences. You're dehydrating. It's called evaporation of water from the body. Your influence, the greatest influence, is the atmosphere's water vapor to keep you alive. How important is that to you? 
It's vital. Now, there's five things you need to learn to do. Number one, breathe in and breathe out. You probably kind of chuckled about that, but it is the truth. You were given the breath to breathe with nasal passages, lungs, heart, blood, muscles, the brain. And did you know the brain and the eyes in the womb connect at the same moment? Now, why did nature do that? Because when you were born at that moment in that delivery room, that eyelid will open and the eyes begin to communicate with the environment, the atmosphere's water vapor, like a magnet, like an electric bulb, like a battery. The greatest influence in your eyes on the surface of your eyes is 99% water. Not an eye drop, not salt, water. 99% water. Connected to the brain that is 80 to 85% water. So what happens when you have anxiety? What happens when you're not breathing correctly? In and out through the nose, and through the mouth, breathing. Number two, drinking water. Eight to ten glasses within a 24-hour period. It's vital to replenishing as a solvent to the body to recycle the, the water. The atmosphere is influencing the outside of the skin and the inside of the body drinking water to influence the inside to recycle. Nutrition, your learning, is vital. When they, when they, when they are, forefathers were geniuses, but they invented cigarettes, you're not a TB. It dehydrates you to death. And by the way, marijuana dehydrates you to death. That's why you get so high so quickly. It's so important that you drink water. It is vital. Eight to ten glasses of water a day. Don't eat all frying pan food, greasy food. Get some dark greens in you. Get some fresh vegetables in you. Your nutrition is vital to detoxifying that body. Because you want to slow down that evaporation body water loss or you'll be prone to symptoms of diseases of all kinds. But the first clue is your anxiety, your stress, and your eye is getting foggy and blurry. When that happens, that means you're dehydrating too quickly. You're out of control. Drink eight to ten glasses of water. Eat the proper nutrition. Moderate exercise is very important. Moderate The last one, sleeping, like earth sleeps. This is all important. Now, for some of your research this week, look up, will there be enough water for everyone on the planet? Because as you know, we're in a very serious water crisis. What is everybody doing out there in research with it? We're all trying to figure it out. My world and our research center is joining together with other nations, and we're going to be studying that surface water and its influence on the atmosphere and the atmosphere's influence causing evaporation of water loss too quickly on the planet and in human life. The other one is competition for water. Look that one up. All you have to do is type these in. It's competition for water. Then you come along and look up environmental and economic concerns of water. Every economy of the world began with round water. It was the first technology of moving water to places 
it has to have water to have an economy, to, to, mo- to move uh, the businesses, to move the cash, to move the money, if the economy. If you don't have a good economy, there will be poverty and wars. Environmental and economic concerns on water shortage. Look all that up, and you will learn a lot this week about what we're, where we're coming from with what we're going to have to learn to know. As you know, water on Earth only has 1% of all the water available. There's only 1% that we can use. 68.7 is ice caps and glaciers. 30% is groundwater. Another small, very small percentage is surface water. Another small percentage is the other. Just remember, we've got to do it now. We don't want to procrastinate and put it off any longer. And that's why this show is so important to all of us, to saving lives, saving our planet, and our breath of life. We're going to do it. I know it. Today we have a very exciting guest. I'll mention him before we uh, go to our commercial, our sponsor, Brett Walton. He's with the Circle of Blue News Correspondents. He's a... Uh, we've talked to them before, and we really believe these people are getting a handle on the issues of water and what's so important with education and the story about it. We're going to have him on here in a minute, but we're going to listen to our sponsor. Biologic Aqua Research Center is the founder. When ophthalmology research came to us years ago and said, the eyes are evaporating way too quickly. It's causing a vision impairment to potential blindness called dry eye. can lead to blindness. Can you do something about that with supplementing the surface of the eyes with, with a water supplement, with a humidity effect? So we studied it, and we did. Nature's tears I missed with just a mist. It's the only product like it in the world. If you gals are wearing cosmetics, it doesn't run the cosmetics. It absorbs. It doesn't cause burning or blurring. It, it provides a humidity effect to supplement like you brush your teeth, you have certain foods, you're drinking water. It's a supplementation to the atmosphere. Nature's tears I miss with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be back, back with Brett Walton. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. 
If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Brad, are you with us? Yes. I can, I, I, Brad, are you with us? Yes. Yes, I'm here. Okay, I can hear, barely hear you. Can you uh, maybe you need to get a little closer to that receiver. Okay. Is that better? Okay, good. That's better. <laughs> and don't you dare blame it on my hearing problems. <laughs> I, <know> <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how are you today? I'm doing fine. I'm glad to be back as a guest of the show. Well, thank you for doing it again. And uh, tell me, tell the audience again about Circle of Blue and how you came to Circle of Blue. But we'll start out with Circle of Blue. What is Circle of Blue News? Okay. Yeah, I think it's a, a pretty interesting model. Uh, we're based in Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, we're a nonprofit news agency, and we look at the news through the lens of water. Uh, so we're talking fresh water, and we look at how fresh water is connected to all these systems that make our economy and our society move. So our food systems, our energy systems, our politics and economics. Uh, so even though Traverse City is based in Michigan, I live in Seattle, and I report mostly on uh, national water issues with a focus on the American West. Uh, and so Circle of Blue's model is that we combine traditional on-the-ground reporting uh, with photojournalism and data collection, graphics and infographics. So we like to combine words, pictures, and numbers to tell the story of water and how it's affecting our society and our economy today. So you're creating, you're developing a visionary approach for the people, let's call it the people on the ground walking around every day, the consumer, the everyday person that's out there that isn't like you and I studying the water, being involved with water, but trying to remind them of the, with education about how important water is with better education? It is. Uh, water is it's one of those complicated topics that uh, there's not a lot of easy answers to it. It connects to you know, everything we do. Uh, so we try and come at that problem from many different angles. And so show it visually, show it in stories, connect readers to people who are suffering these problems on the ground, uh, and then also connect it with uh, the images and the numbers too. So you have a lot of different ways to look at this issue um, and so we try and bring all that together and then bring people together to talk about it. So we also collaborate with the Woodrow Wilson Center in Washington, D.C., and we hold meetings there and around the world to discuss our findings with water policy people and with people who are working on the ground with these topics. So when you're, uh, you're having a lot of conferences during the year? Uh, we don't hold the conferences, but uh, often our reporters and our director will get invited to conferences to make presentations mm-hmm. and to really show... Mm-hmm. Uh, these you know, tricky, difficult problems, you know, explain them in terms that people can understand, to paint the picture mm-hmm. and tell the narrative of water so that it's not just these isolated contexts, um, but a unified picture of what's going on in the world related to water. So a lot of these things are connected. So what happens in the Midwest is connected to what happens in China with consumption patterns. And, you know, one problem in California will be related to one problem in, you know, northern India or Kansas. So these are really, it's helpful to show people that their their problems are not unique to themselves, uh, that there are similarities happening across the world. And that's what we try and bring together. So 
which I think is just unbelievable. You guys are doing a good job. Who's the founder of this? Uh, the founder was Carl Ganter. He was a photojournalist, and he was on assignment about 10 or a little more than 10 years ago. And uh, was doing the water story and had this epiphany that water seemed to be uh, the unifying factor that would explain our development and our progress into the 21st century, that we needed to be focused on uh, will man have enough water to do uh, what he needs to do to supply adequate food and drinking water and energy to meet 21st century needs. So that's what we've been focused on is, you know, how, how are societies responding to these big challenges of climate change and water availability and population growth and economic growth? How are leaders and people you know, responding to these, looking at the challenges and you know, coming up with ways to, to improve? So are you hoping uh, your focus and your goals, you think, are trying to encourage our leaders of the world to be reminded it should be a major focus also? Yes, uh, we have kind of an old-fashioned idea that better information will lead to better decisions. That's not always the case, but uh, it's something that uh, you know, reminds us that this is what we do. We need to make sure that we have the best understanding possible of the problem before we can come up with proper solutions and showing how those solutions have played out in one part of the world can help inform solutions in other parts of the world. So a lot of our reporting is comparative. So we'll look at Australia in light of what's happening in California. So both areas have had massive droughts over the last 10 years. Um, So we're looking at what did they do in Australia? How did they build water plants to supply urban populations? How did they deal with irrigated agriculture? Can those lessons be translated from one part of the world to another? And in many cases, that's true. Um, So we're trying to identify what has worked and why, and then what has not worked and why, and how we can make those lessons transferable. You know, Brett, what do you believe? You know, I've been studying what this for over 30 years. Um, What do you believe with where you're where the blue news is, circle of blue news is. Have you guys gone back in, the, in time and, and studied, let's say, 100 years ago? What are the difference between 100 years ago and what's been going on in the last, let's say, 20 years? Hmm. What were they doing different? Uh, well, 100 years ago, the world was uh, smaller. There were fewer people. Uh, it was poorer and it was more rural. Uh, So today we have a richer, bigger, more urban world, and a lot of our water consumption patterns have changed quite a bit, where the more uses you have, then the the more competition there is for for water resources. Do you think, Brett... Even though in a a lot of the U.S., we reached uh, this peak water use in about 1980, um, there's been, you know, up until that point, there was, you know, more and more water development going on. Mm-hmm. And you have to uh, look at it mostly through the lens of agriculture for you know, the history of the last 100 years, agriculture being the largest user of water uh, and energy being the second largest user. So that's where our focus is with those two mm-hmm. main areas. How do water use patterns in agriculture and energy change? Uh, and so growing the food we need to feed uh, the world's population uh, will be a major challenge, you know, up until this point and then going forward. What do you think some of the answers, what, is some of the, what do you believe 
uh, between, let's say, 100 years ago that they did differently, and they did do it different. They did, they did believe in uh, reservoirs. They did believe in canals. They did believe right. in recycling the water. They re- believed in recycling fish to keep up with what the environment requires, to keep up with uh, not letting it all fade away. Um, did you notice in the last 30, 20 years, 10 years, that in, here in the United States especially, they don't do that like they used to? Um, well, they have look, a horrible water the crisis. Of, of water development, say, in the United States. Um, right. So 100 years ago, up until mid-century, there was a lot of construction and infrastructure development that went on. So you had people moving to cities, you had people well, they moving were out to the water. West. Brett, they were storing they were water. storing and moving water, right. So there were yeah. a lot and of big dams. Hoover Dam was built, and, and, uh, and big dams in California. Well, and there were reservoirs, and there were canals, and... You know, have you? I'm, I'm sure that you've kept up with what's going on in Orange County, California. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell our audience about what you've been learning? Sure. Well, just a bit more about the history. So there was this large infrastructure construction, so canals to move water from hundreds of miles away to cities. So this happened in uh, San Diego area, Los Angeles area. Uh, New York in the late 19th century. So most of your major cities would build large water transportation systems, the canals and reservoirs. Uh, so what happened then in the, the last you know, few decades is that all of the accessible water was taken already, and it got more and more expensive to go farther and farther away. Uh, so you have cities that are now looking at water recycling and making better use of the water that falls within their boundaries or falls closer to home. So in the Los Angeles area, you have the Orange County water system, which is taking water that goes from the sewage plant, uh, sending it through a three-step purification process through membranes and filters and ultraviolet radiation and putting that water back into the ground so it can be reused again. So that's, it's cheaper than building, say, a desalination plant, which takes, takes the salt out of ocean water. Uh, but it's, so it's more expensive than the original development of just pulling water out of a river. But these things are what we have to do now because all the water has been taken. Uh, it's all been spoken for in a lot of the Western states. So you have to be more creative. You know, when you come up against limits, as any college student on the budget will understand, you have to be more creative with uh, your solutions. You have to be more creative with what you have on hand. So cities across the West and, you know, in Australia and other dry parts of the world are seeing that they need to, you know, not dump the water from their sewer plants out to sea. They need to take that water and clean it and reuse it again. So that's a trend we're seeing across the country. And did you hear recently when California started getting those rainstorms, they started recycling that back into the uh, aquifers? Hey, this will be the challenge for California going before, forward is to uh, build a new generation of infrastructure to take that stormwater and to make use of it so that it doesn't just yes. fall in the streets. Not let it all run right to the, the ocean. ocean. Right. Right. But, you know, the excitement of that, Brett, um, I'm in my 70s. And, you know, I look back and, um, and then I've been studying water for many, many, many years. 
And I was often curious about, and I'm very fair to all generations of life and where they come from. And But with water, you know, other countries of the world, before the United States was ever founded, their governments were based on water. You knew that. And I've had in Holland, I've had the head of the water resource in Holland, and he reminded us that their government, their very first government was water government. Other countries, water government. Their priority was water. And as you know, in Holland, they're below sea level. So they're way below sea level. So they, they're way below sea level. So they had a real challenge with water. And other countries of the world, you knew about Europe. They are bad at water went bad so long ago that uh, they were drinking, the men would drink the hard liquor and the women and the kids would drink the beer because the water was so bad they'd get sick. And then the Europeans went, the Dutch went to China and because they'd heard about this product, like a we call it tea, that you boil the water and you can drink this tea. So they came back and started marketing tea to drink. And every country of the world has its stories about the water to drink, the, the technology. We've had Andrew Sherman on here with the book Harvesting Intangibles to be more valuable intellectual property. He was talking how the first technology, Brett, the word technology was moving water as a technology. And that's what we should all be considering in your learning. Technology is what every city, little community, county, every spot on the planet of the earth should be priority water number one. And it's a technology that's exciting because you learn how to finesse it. You learn how to make it even better. That's what technology improvements mean. It's like no different than learning about the symptoms of dehydration of the body. What is an illness? and out-of-control dehydration of that person at the time. Even if you have an itch on the toe, that's evaporation of body water in the body, evaporating too quickly from the body to expel through the skin, and the atmosphere is which keeps you alive, so therefore it can't keep up with the dehydration of individualities. The earth is going through that same identical cycle. So Circle of Blue is learning around the world to provide this education then to people around the world to be reminded. And that's why I was so excited to have you on, to keep them reminded. Our politicians, Brett, are not doing it. The the environmental extremists are going too far extreme. The environmental ecosystem means balancing act. Hit the balancing Mm -hmm. act. Not everybody will do it the same because there's a balancing, whether it be in the Middle East where there's too much sand, and California was becoming too much sand. And I I feel today it's interesting, Brett. uh, The past year I've been saying the worst poster child in the whole United States is California, the way they plan their water, although the former Governor Brown and his legislature in the 60s, Brett, thought it out. And they thought, let's don't let California make mistakes because water is the priority to their number one economy is agriculture. And agriculture must thrive in California. They need to have plenty of water. We've got to work together with the agriculture uh, economically or California cannot depend upon 
the movie stars, the movie stars are too extreme. They're actors. But California was, trying, California was trying to figure out how can we figure out to have California um, continue their economic comfort to support the people of California and not let that living species called soil turn to lack of microorganism of sand. Um, so I was, but now that I've had the head of the water uh, uh, the president of the water district of, San, uh, of Orange County on, I couldn't believe, Brett, you had to be just excited with your group about what they're doing and their relationship with Singapore. They were learning it, is, it together. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting it's, time to be isn't it exciting? Uh, working with water. And There's I'm not lot, any longer, going I'm going to be very one, careful. One correction, though. Uh, agriculture is not the biggest economy in California. It's if you're looking oh, at this in it? dollar terms, it's relatively small. Which one? I would assume it's, I don't know offhand what number one is, but agriculture is uh, about 2% of California's economy. Now, years course, ago? Years food, ago? Food related in the to 60s? its... That, in no, the 60s? No, no, today. No, oh, yeah. They have no water. <laughs> they have no water, Brett. No, that's right. why even, California even has the worst year, economic. Two to three percent of the state economy. Yeah, yeah. California has the worst economic condition they've ever had in history. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't have the economy that it used to have in the, in the agriculture. They have all that beautiful land, that beautiful, it used to be soil, and only soil is a species. And the aquifers below that soil is a species. Of water, water is a species. But tell us about uh, what you what you're learning about the water crisis in the United States. Uh, uh, we both know California is trying to figure it out, and I have to tell you, I think they're going to win a, a Nobel Prize on it someday because they really are working at trying to figure out that recycling. What do you think is going to happen in the United States that you found exciting? that they're learning that water should be a priority? Uh, we'll go into the, the water pricing. Um, so this is a national issue. Um, even though water pricing is a, a local concern. Uh, so I do every year a survey of 30 major cities in the U.S. taking a look at their residential water prices. Uh, and every year water prices are going up for residential users much faster than almost any other household expenditure, uh, certainly faster than inflation, certainly faster than the consumer price index. Uh, and this is for a number of reasons. One, that a lot of the, the pipes that we put into the ground to supply cities were put into the ground 60, 70, 80, 90 years ago. And those pipes need to be replaced now. And the Brett, we're going to have a moment. We only do this once during the show. We have it for our sponsor. And then we're going to come back, and I'm going to, I want to ask you what you, the Circle of Blue, has been learning about that, those pipes, um, because okay. that's 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 something that everybody should be thinking about inside their homes too. Uh, give, give us a moment. Don't go anywhere, and you're going to educate us about that. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. Did you know at the surface of your eyes is 99% water, and when that eyelid is open, there's an evaporation that causes the eyes to be dehydrated. 
You don't have to complain about it until it's too late because what happens is as you evaporate the moisture from the eye and it becomes vision impaired, potentially the complaints mean it's getting worse. There will be more vision impairment. But to mist, to support no different than recycling our planet with water, it's a moisture to recycle the humidity, the water vapor in the air with just a mist. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. And we'll be right back with Greg Walton from Circle of Blue News. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Brett, you were talking to us about some education you've received about the pipes and the grounds that are moving the water to the locations of where the water is being used, pulled out to be uh, used in all the different reasons, uh, whether it be a house, I'm sure, manufacturing, or even even uh, agriculture. Tell us what you, your Circle of Blue news groups have been learning about pipes. So uh, pipes are really the veins and the, light, <clears throat> the support system for our nation's water infrastructure. So you have the treatment plants and those facilities, which are a single uh, single site, and you can see that it's visible. Uh, but what takes the water from those plants and spreads it throughout the city are the distribution system. And these are massive, massive uh, networks of pipes. Under one city, for instance, you could have two, three, four thousand miles of pipe. And a lot of those pipes, especially in older cities in the Midwest and in the Northeast, those pipes are well beyond their designed age. So some are you know, 80 years old, put in the ground in the Great Depression. And they need to be replaced, and that's an expensive cost. Uh, but what that means is that water prices are going to have to go up uh, for cities to pay for the reinvestment in some vital infrastructure. And a lot of, the, a lot of what we've seen is that federal government is not willing to make big investments in water systems like they were in the 60s or 70s when Clean Water Act was put into place and you had federal government paying for half or three quarters of new treatment plants. 
So the burden really now rests on residents and utilities and local governments to make sure the system that send water to our homes and ensure reliability so that when you turn on the faucet, water comes out. It's up to local governments and water utilities and residents to make those investments. And there's a lot of pushback occasionally from people who feel like they pay enough for water and don't want to pay any more. Um, but utilities need to make a better case and point out to people that uh, reliability that we've become accustomed to is not cheap and it's not free. So... Uh, you know, these water recycling plants are another investment that uh, will be important for making sure cities are more resilient to future water supply shocks, but those plants are also not free. So there's a lot of, a lot of new infrastructure that needs to be updated or repaired or, you know, constructed, uh, and a lot of that depends on residents and local ratepayers understanding the value of water and being willing to invest in it are becoming what's happening once they find out, like in California, Brad, and I always forget the name of the community, the one that hasn't had water in their community for months, not even, a, can't even draw a glass of water for months. Right, because a, they didn't make I mean, a couple prioritize water. Well, they didn't prioritize water. They're, they're not getting water. Pardon? There's a couple communities that if they draw from groundwater, uh, which has been dropping rather quickly in California as more and more people are, are pumping from their wells. There's quite a few communities that just don't have any running water in the house. Because they don't have the wells and they were depending upon the community and they don't, can't even do their laundry. The kids started school this fall with clothes that hadn't been laundered. Right. Uh, no, uh, no toilets to flush. Yeah, really to, to see that situation in the richest state in one of the richest countries. Doesn't especially with the circle of blue news and your focus, is, doesn't it break your heart that our politicians didn't prioritize the basic of all life, the species of water? It just, it just absolutely startles me. And then you yeah, go from the United States. Um, pardon? Yeah, occasionally it's frustrating. Oh, yeah, I am. I am very frustrated. I know I can do something about it. And uh, we're working on a UN committee with a group of us around the world, scientists that can go together and begin to focus on water as a living species. It has to be a priority of all life on Earth is water. And then that wa water in the atmosphere that is invisible, that was here for billions of years before the water came to the ground, that, that's a recycling of education that people need to understand. If what we all need to learn, and our, our politicians should be elected for priority of water, and everything else comes after that. Now, what, about, what have you learned about India? Um, your group, I think, has been to India. Uh, what have you learned about water problems in India? Yeah, we have a, a series we call the Choke Point, Global Choke Point Series. And Choke Point being this, this competition, this connection between uh, water, food, and energy, where uh, unless water use is, is more, uh, is made better, there's not going to be enough water to produce the food that countries need or to uh, go through and, and mine the energy sources that are needed for expanding uh, energy access. 
So we've done this project in China and India. We've gone to Australia and Mongolia, uh, taking a look at these connections between these three resources. Uh, so I haven't been on the ground uh, in India or China, so I, I'm not the best person in circle to talk about that. Uh, but, in, but in general, we see that uh, there's uh, severe problems with how resources are managed uh, in India and a severe competition amongst water uh, and energy and food, uh, in particular for groundwater, which is the area that I know best. And a lot of the, the food production areas in northern India, uh, just like food production areas in the Great Plains in the U.S., in California, Central Valley, and in northern China, a lot of these areas rely on groundwater to grow the crops. And in all of these areas, groundwater is being taken out of aquifers much more quickly than it goes back in. So the, you know, the revolution in food production that's happened over the last few decades has been achieved on the back of some unsustainable groundwater use. And if India wants to continue uh, to produce the harvest that it's done in the past, it's going to need to get under control uh, the groundwater pumping in, in northern India along the plains there. We've had on our show from um, North Dakota uh, organic farmers that have been in it for generations, and it's so fascinating to hear how they only get maybe in these some of these areas four inches of rain a year, but they learned to grow their crops with the way they tilled the soil and the uh, the manure droppings that they would put into that soil and hay droppings and till it up. And keep that every every season the new tilling. Keep that soil moving to draw moisture from the air from the water vapor to be able to have a healthy crop. Mm-hmm. And there's, that's there's what everybody should be learning. Innovative, um, food, there's certainly innovative food systems and farming techniques that are being put back into practice. Yeah, uh, once, I like the word you say, put Once back. your resource base is limited, you have to be creative and you have to look at ways to make to recycle. Uh, your inputs go farther. Recycle, Brad. I, I love the word recycle. That's because your body, when you were born, and you entered in that air you breathe, is recycling every moment to keep up with your body to live with this planet. And the evaporation of your body and dehydration effects started from the moment you were born. And, and the recycling of you is no different than the recycling of the planet and to live with the universe, the solar system. Because there's, a, there's water vapor in the air that is, it was the first influence that we all had. It was here before the water came to the surface of the ground and to the aquifers. Did you by chance read about that up in uh, Toronto, that oldest, the aging, the aged water up in, that they found that was an enormous amount of water? Did you get that report? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, look it up. Um, type in a, um, old water in, uh, found in Toronto, Canada. They found okay. by accident an enormous body of water under the grounds that is beyond all imagination. In fact, I'm sorry I didn't have it in front of me today to talk to you about it, uh, that they had no idea that water was there. And when they went down into the water to try to 
different types of, however they do it, probably lines down into the water. So far down in there, they found that there must be a living life in there too. Enormous. So underneath the earth, we have a lot of water. It's just that in parts of our earth, because those aquifers are no different than a cave, they may not have cracks in them and able to store a lot. And we, we need with technology and science to learn what that mean, what, 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 what's happening there and do what Orange County is doing because they're so excited in Singapore. Every time the rain comes down, it doesn't now run just to the ocean. They're doing something with it. The waters they already have, they're doing something with it. I don't know if you knew the story of Singapore. Did you hear about Singapore? Yeah, Singapore has been kind of at the forefront of a lot of these technologies because, again, it's a small island with a lot of people and they have to be very creative and innovative with their water management because it's a necessity. Uh, so Singapore has been you know, at the forefront of most of the water management changes in the last you know, few decades. So they're looking at wastewater recycling. They're looking at desalination. They're looking at turning most of the island into basically a water independent. So it's rain independent. that falls on the island will be, will be trapped and held in reservoirs. And they don't have to depend upon in Malaysia's water because they used to pipe it over and have contracts. And they right, don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And that's what Orange County is doing. And, in fact, they work together on it, you know. Singapore was coming over yeah, to them. The, they were going yeah, back and forth with each other. One of the things, you talked about technology earlier, and the, there's certainly been no better time to look for technology and, and innovation and change in the water sector. But what I've been seeing and talking with a lot of people on the ground and trying to put these new technologies into practice is that the technology alone is not going to, to solve everything. Uh, so even though farmers can now take satellite measurements of moisture on their fields and vary their irrigation almost meter by meter to target the driest part of the field and not water the wet parts. Uh, there's sensors that go into the soil and detect how wet it is. Uh, there's these wastewater recycling plants that Orange County has. Mm-hmm. But there's technology everywhere, but it really depends on the relationships and the human side, uh, partnerships to make these things work. You're right. So farmers, you farmers are right. will not adopt new technology unless, they're, unless it can exactly. provide a return on right. their investment. And that is right. you know, these district-wide conservation practices, like putting in the more efficient canals, they're not going to be taken up unless there's a champion for change on the ground. Exactly. And Orange County's water system is another example where uh, the water district was a partner with the sanitation district to you mm-hmm. know, provide funding for the water treatment plant and to uh, make sure that the water treatment plant had enough wastewater to treat. So they have an arrangement between the two agencies to ensure that water that would have been going to the sea is now going to the the water treatment plant. So it's the the partnerships and the relationships that play just as as much a role in all of this. And that's what is so exciting. Our forefathers did it that way so far back is they didn't say, we will be, I don't want to help you build your barn because your barn is going to be bigger and better than mine. They just helped everybody have a barn. And that's what it's all about, is everybody working together. I asked him on the show, the president of the water district there, I said, now, Sean, come to think of it, isn't Disneyland in Orange County? He said, oh, yes, Disneyland's recycling too. 
And Brett, they have, when you go into Disneyland, they have exhibitions and symposiums that you can go to and learn about the history of water in and, and, and Disneyland now. Mm-hmm. Where people go and learn about water. Now, I haven't had them on the show yet, but have you written about it yet? Disneyland no, no, and I haven't. their commitment to water education and their their uh, guests that come to Disneyland. I guess it's quite a deal, but Disneyland is recycling because they're in Orange County. Right, right. Isn't it exciting? Well, that would be a, um, a fun assignment. <laughs> yeah. It's sent to Disneyland. Yeah. Um, now, before you go, tell me about how you got to where you're at with Circle of Blue News. What were you doing before? Because you sound very committed to this. You sound like it just fits you uh, with your uh, spirit. I was, I was in grad school and studying water politics in Central Asia. So oh. from the former Soviet countries, um, Kyrgyzstan, uh-huh. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I kind of fell into the, the journalism job. Circle of Blue was looking for interns, and I sent them my resume and cover letter, and they offered mm-hmm. me a job. So I've been with uh-huh. them for five years now. And uh, it's been interesting to see the changes in the water sector and changes in the journalism field over the last few years, too. Before you're done, there's only a minute left for you, but tell us about what you learned up up in Pakistan and those countries, because they've had water wars way back. How long do you think they've had water wars? Uh, Water wars are relatively rare. I mean, countries very rarely fight each other over water. So the conflict that does happen is usually between local groups, between a town or a village, between a farmer and another farmer, where it's more uh, relevant to that person, where if I don't get this water, I'm not going to have enough for my crop. There we go. Um, But one one of the new fields of research is looking at just what effect climate change and water supplies will have on conflict. And it's an, it's an open question right now. Mm-hmm. So I will let you go. I appreciate you coming on. And um, I know we're going to all have a wonderful 2015. And I have a feeling that Circle of Blue and you are going to make water at the top of the news. <laughs> oh, well, I hope so. You will. You will. I have I a very so strong much. feeling. I just got back from China, and I, they, we had a lot of wonderful meetings there about water and issues of the atmosphere, and I was in, and there were just a few of us, and uh, the world is waiting, and they need that education. Well, you have a special day, and I appreciate you coming on, and you tell everyone I said hello. Okay. Thanks so much, Sharon. And you be well, Brett. Okay. Bye. Well, can you imagine all that we learn on this show through the years uh, with the individuals that are coming on? And have you ever noticed that the individuals we bring on the show have that spirit of feeling, the warmth of what they're doing with the subject of water? And because they know it's, it's what will keep the planet alive. It's the, uh, and I want you to look up the atmosphere, water, vapor, and billions of years. That blue around this planet Earth is the water vapor that was there before water came to the planet. And then it began a recycling of water that came down with droplets and developed the life we have called the planet Earth. 
and all the symptoms that you have with health issues and complaints, just stop and think. The biggest problem would be if you're too dehydrated. Always drink at least in a 24-hour period eight to ten glasses of water to recycle yourself because you're living with that water blue called the invisible atmosphere that is your greatest influence on the outside of the body to influence you on the inside of the body. It's like Dr. Gerald Pollack, head of research in water, uh, subject to water at University of Washington, they found a fourth water in the body that was just startling to everybody that is very important to the recycling of your life, your health issues. I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate it so much, and I want you to know to embrace your life and somebody else's miracle too. But earth whispers, never say goodbye because you want to leave the power of water and life on earth for every generation of children to come. So they all know that you as a person care. That's Earth Whisper. I want to thank you for listening. Go to your research and look up water research. And you have a wonderful 2015. You have a nice day and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.